This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So welcome again to New Church Live. And and that idea, again, that that beautiful idea of of finding a river, finding a river, finding finding a truth that, that might actually be able to set us free. And it's... It's interesting looking at the truth. Like, I'm not going to come out of this service necessarily with, with, the, with the thought that you're going to have every single thought totally squared away in your head, like that view of truth, where finally life is completely understandable. I don't really believe that. But we can find a truth that in a way can, can free us. And I'm talking here not necessarily freeing us from all that ails us in the world, but, but frees us in terms of our own fears, anxieties, worries, concerns. It starts to allow us to more and more live into our best selves as God gives us to see it. I think this service will have sort of that, that philosophical bent. So I'm going to show you a little cartoon, and it'll take you about three seconds to get it. So this is today's service. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> You know, that, that idea that we're talking about, yeah, we just, we just want to look at life a little bit. Maybe, maybe take a step back and try to see a bit of a better picture. Noticing that there are, you know, these different road signs in life. There are these different paths that we can, we can choose. And one of the basic ones, and this is really big. I mean, this is kind of the, the linchpin we're going to orbit around in a number of different ways in the service, is, is, is a basic decision we have to make about how we're going to orient our lives. I think it comes down to two possible things. Take a look at this little chart here. We can look at happiness or unhappiness. I want you to say the word suffering as if you're suffering, all right? Happiness, suffering, unhappiness. So so if I see over here, if I'm kind of standing more on this side, and I'm thinking, okay, life is all about happiness, life inevitably will have suffering, well, that means the only other option then is unhappiness. Because that's kind of how I've set it up, that it's all about my, my personal happiness. So if I suffer in any way, shape, or form, that's going to make me unhappy. And, and at least for me, it doesn't take much suffering to make me unhappy. A traffic jam, right? Food that's not the right temperature, you know, getting, uh, uh, I, I don't know, I can give tons and tons of examples. Like little small things right, that can nick, can give us nicks and cuts, and it just leads to unhappiness. And it's interesting, we live more and more in a world where it's so focused on happiness and so focused on this idea, and, and oh, I want to say this so gently, so focused that if you're unhappy, something is wrong. Now, obviously, a lot of people go through periods of unhappiness where there clearly is something wrong. But can we overplay that a little bit? Please say yes. Yes. I mean, that's, that's I think, one of the hardest parts about being a parent, is knowing that, that, our, that these, these beings that we love will go through periods of unhappiness, and that doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong. It means they're growing. It means they're growing. Tough, challenging, Right? If we have that orientation, maybe we can start to think, oh, happiness, unhappiness. Maybe that's not the right way. Maybe you can see it a little bit differently. I'm going to have you say suffering again. Instead, we look at meaning. Meaning then hits suffering. 
And then what happens is responsibility. So I really believe that, that life has meaning, that, that, that we're supposed to have meaning in our lives. And some of it will be, some times of life will be dark and unhappy. Others will be very happy, very filled with joy, regardless of either or. I'll hit a period of suffering. And then once I hit that period of suffering, that actually calls me to do something. Respond, able, responsible. Did you see how big that is? Because, because it means like, like the suffering is the exact same in either one of those equations. But in one, all it leads to is my personal unhappiness. And the other it leads me to raise my hand and to think, what can I do here? God, give me your eyes to see this. What can I do here? Big hint, show up Thursday night, 7 p.m., New Church Live office. Right, that's, that's the responsibility. Because if it's just about personal meaning, suffering, unhappiness, why show up to anything, really? You know, why not just, yeah, just not worry about it. But I think God and Christ is, is constantly pushing us to this, this other side of the equation. Does, does this make sense, folks? Yes, okay. I want to read for you now a, a, an example of, of Jesus talking about this, and, and it's kind of embedded in this that, that we have to see life differently. We have to find the truth that frees us. We have to be aware, going back to this, we have to be aware of where are what, what I would call life lie, what beautiful, wonderful author Jordan Peterson would call life lie. Um, and think of a life lie like as misinformation, where we've accumulated a bunch of misinformation about life, and we use it to interpret life that way. And I, I want to read for you some, a story here from the Gospel of John, and, and I want to talk about it and talk about how, yeah, you can see him kind of poke holes in the misinformation knowing that people really had to be able to, to understand the truth in order to be free. Now, I want to start out by just, by just setting this up. So, so the setup is this. A bunch of people have gathered around to hear Jesus. Some of them are very, very big, 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 big supporters of him. Big supporters. They believe what he has to say. They're partners. They want to follow him. And then there's a large group as well of the auditing committee. And they're here to audit everything he says, to, to disagree with it in all kinds of ways. Jesus tends to have very loving responses to this group. He tends to have pretty straightforward responses to this group about where they're off track. So you're going to hear both of those strands in this little piece that I want to read to you here. To the Jews who had believed him, these were people who were following him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you really are my disciples. And the word disciples there goes back to student. Then you will know the truth. Listen to this. This is such a beautiful line. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. He's talking about a lived truth here. Not an intellectual concept. He's saying about if you follow me, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free, that, that living into that in deep ways. And then the auditing committee shows up, and it's a different they here. They answered him, those who were against him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? 
So he's talking about it one way. This other group takes it a totally different way. Remember, this is an occupied, this, this, is, a, this is a territory that's occupied by the Romans, so that's kind of their context here. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in his family, but a son or daughter belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, going back to the patriarch of the Jewish faith. Yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. So it's so two very different parts. Now I want to talk about that first line here, you know, in terms of the followers. I'm going to step over onto this carpet here to talk about the followers. So, so he's speaking to this group, this group of people who are following him, and he says this. He says, know the truth and the truth shall set you that's big. Like, you could pray on that for a week and get good stuff out of it. That's a beautiful line. One of my favorite theologians, though, reminds us of this. Know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But first, it will make you miserable. And that's kind of the way it works. Right? If I'm really going to look at the truth of life, the truth of how things work, it's going to make me a little miserable for a while. Is there anything wrong with being miserable for a little while? No. See, that's, that's why, again, breaking out of the, uh, the happiness, unhappiness thing. So important. Because you're really going to look at things, it's going to be challenging. Folks, can I share two words with you? Please listen deep into your souls with this. Right? You listening? Healing hurts. Say that again and again. Healing hurts. Can I get an amen? <laughs> we have a few experts in the audience on that who could tell you all about that. They're wonderful people. They understand that healing hurts. And that doesn't mean anything's wrong. It means we're in the search for meaning. It means we're in the search moving through suffering. It means we're trying to find new forms of responsibility as God gives us to see it. That's actually an incredibly powerful thing. Now, of course, that's not the only part of the story. Here I want to talk to you a bit about a life lie. Now, now a life lie, folks, it's, it's again, it's, it's think of it as a ball of misinformation that we've constructed in our lives. A ball of misinformation we used to explain the world, explain how things work. Um, it's oftentimes a place, and this is one of those like, oh, oh, that's painful to hear. It's a place in our life, an easy way to spot it is, is to look at it and go like, where have you created a story that you tell people where you always are the hero? Where you're always the hero. For anybody like me who played high school football, ask them about their favorite game and they'll tell you where they were always the hero. Flip of that. Do you have a story as well? Please listen carefully to this. Do you have a story as well where you're always the victim? Could we say ouch? You know, that's kind of an ouch thing. Like, yeah, I, I actually do. I, I always tell other people this story where, where I end up being the victim of something. It doesn't mean there aren't situations where we actually are victims. It doesn't mean there aren't situations where we actually aren't heroes. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we create a whole misinformed identity around that one thing. And then we use that as a way to see the world. 
because that can be really challenging. I mean, folks, just imagine you're, you're on a cross, cross-country flight with someone who you're sitting beside, you've got to make conversation with them, and they are sure that they're the hero of everything. Is that going to be a fun flight? No. What about somebody who's a victim to everything? Not a fun flight. We have to be able to know the truth of life because the truth will set you free. Because the truth will set you free. Yes, it will make you miserable. But it will also, most importantly, make you free. So in this, in this line, and, and again, I'm going to sort of pull out what the life light is. You won't, you won't catch it the first time. But the group who was very much against Jesus, this is what they said. We are Abraham's descendants. Now that Abraham that goes back to the patriarch of the Jewish faith, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say we will be set free? Now we read that and it's just like, it's, it's, it's hard because we don't have the context for it. It doesn't really make sense. But there's huge context here, folks. First off, we are Abraham's descendants. So, so they are tracing their specialness back to a person. Back to a person. And as I said, and see how many of you remember, because it was about two minutes ago, at this time, these people were living in a land that was occupied, begins, by, begins with an R, were occupied by the Romans. Now just think about that. Like, we are Abraham's disciples. We've never been slaves to anyone as the Roman soldiers go marching by. Do you get, do you get the irony in that? Like, it's actually pretty funny, you know, in a certain way. I think, I think there's a lot of humor in the Bible, and I think this is one of those ones where people would have chuckled a little bit, just like you did right there. Doesn't make any sense. How can you say we will be set free? In other words, we're already free because we got it. We, we are it. They believed... And there's, there's truth to this, and we have to be careful. They believed that they were the chosen people. Now, we're all chosen people. I'm going to go into that. Actually, it's, it's a good place to start. That we, them, us, we all are the chosen people, but we have to expand it. And, and, and that idea of just being the chosen people, we just need to be careful with that. Because that can create a certain tribalism to it. Imagine you have a group of really close, close, close high school friends. You know, a, a group that just like, man, just high school was so good. And here's this, here's this group of people that I just love connecting with. Is there anything wrong with that, folks? No, obviously not. That kind of chosenness is actually really beautifully healthy. But if it's a chosenness that is set up and against others, it's a problem. In other words, if I say, yeah, I got this group, we're just really close, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and it's precious. But the other group, and the other groups were unchosen. Do you see where that's a problem? Like, that, that's, where we, that's where we have to be so incredibly careful about seeing ourselves or our group as chosen. We are, but that doesn't mean other people aren't too. So, so Jesus actually, he's, he's coming at this and he's, he's trying to uh, pull it apart. He's, he's trying to address that. 
because it's important to understand the impact of, of what I would call life lag and that misinformation that we can overdo. It's where we often change the story of our life so we can bear the telling of it. So we change that story so that somehow we can, we can actually say it. Like, I don't want to admit that we're occupied, so I'm going to say we're this instead. Where we oversimplify and overgeneralize, dividing the world into camps. Where we live inauthentically in a state of often obnoxious certainty. Where we are anxious in the face of any threats to that place that we hold. That's the impact of a lifeline. Now, I, I don't, it's not, it's not a dire thing. I think it's, it's, it's always one thing, you know, when I'm going through nuts, I'm just, I don't want to make it feel heavy because I don't think it necessarily is. I think it's just part of the human condition. Again, in the new church, we believe all these stories, all these stories deal with us as people. Every single one. There's no, oh, this is a story about that group or this is a story about that group. No, it's all a story about us. The good, the bad, the ugly, the whole thing. And it's interesting to watch when, when, when people, when they actually see that, that life lie kind of, kind of blown apart, that idea, the ideas that they had shift and, and, and how beautiful it is to watch that. And I want to share a story with you, a beautiful one. Again, I'm going to go back over to this carpet here. One I heard over this weekend, a beautiful story. It was about a doctor. And this doctor actually was a hospice doctor. Hospice, as you don't know, that's sort of end of life. End of life, he's helping people transition out. And he goes, he goes into this hospital room. There's a man there, and, and the nurse looks over at the doctor, and she says, doctor, you know, he's about to pass away. And, and the doctor looks at his medical chart, and he's like, no, he's not. Like, look, here are all his vital signs. He's, he's still got a ways to go. And the nurse looks at him, and she goes, no, he's about to pass away. And do you know how she knew? Because he's having dreams. And you know what's happening in those dreams? His wife was coming back to welcome him home. Isn't that beautiful? She had dreams. He had science. That's good. And it's interesting because his science couldn't get the dreams. Guess what happened that day to that man? <laughs> he, he passed. He passed. So what this doctor decided to do, he decided, yeah, I've got this sort of this ball of misinformation. Maybe I need to look at that. So he did research on 1,400 hospice patients about the dreams that they were having. And guess what? The dreams were overwhelmingly good. And, and one of the beautiful parts, this is a little aside I thought was super sweet. You know, obviously, very tragically in a lot of circumstances, he, he was working with children, too, who were passing on, who were in hospice care. You know what they dreamed about? Their pets. You know, pets that had passed. They were going to welcome them home. See, that's somebody who's, who's understanding truth in a different way. Know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Was this doctor going to be freed up in a certain new way, yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's going to find a, a new sort of freedom, a, a new way to practice his craft that's beautiful. And, and again, folks, it's not to say, like, 
like the dreams are always right and science is wrong, that would also be its own life lie. Like if, I, if I'm about to have heart surgery, I don't want a surgeon coming in and telling me what he thought about in a dream. You know, I want pure science. Thank you very much. It's about how do we sort of get where the misinformation is, break it open, and not sort of see ourselves, again, like, like it's not about science or about the dreams. It's not about, well, I'm one of the chosen people who gets all the science, or one of the chosen people who gets all the It's like, how do we break that apart and kind of see life in its holistic way? That's what we're trying to do. So as the band comes out, as the band comes out, I want you to think for yourself, kind of, where is this idea of a life lie showing up for you? And then when I come back, I want to talk about, okay, so, so it shows up for all of us in different ways. How can we actually move through that? How can we find this truth, this truth with a capital T? Truth with a capital T, very different from facts, by the way. This truth that actually frees us. That's what we're going to talk about when I come back. My beautiful song, right? And, and, and I love the lyrics in there about, you know, feeling like walking away and at the, at the same time trying to, trying to keep hold of, of hope and trying to keep hold. And, and I think hopefully you can see echoes of that in the meaning, suffering, responsibility way of approaching life. Yes, many times we can simply feel like walking away, but the reality is there's something we're called to. Something big and precious and in many ways beautiful. So I want to share with you an angle here on the truth that can free us. And there's, there's so many perspectives we could take on this. I, I kind of view it as a beautiful city, right? And, and there's a bunch of neighborhoods and you can go around the circumference and find a lot of ways in. And I want to talk about one way in. Maybe it'll resonate with us today. I think it's, it's significant. And remember, remember what I said is that we're talking about the truth that frees us. Say the M word first, but first it will make us miserable. Like first it would be hard, you know? This is the hard part, this little phrase here. Maybe this. Maybe life is not about you. Maybe life's not about me. Maybe life is not about you. Maybe what it is is this. Maybe life is about your place in life with a capital L. And the love that flows through you in that place. That idea, again, I want to say it again, it's not about your place in life, but about what can flow through you in that place, from God, right there. Seeing ourselves far more as a conduit, as a vessel that transports something, than as a self-sufficient thing in and of itself. If I start to see that, not just me as, as my own sort of autonomous rock over here, but I see myself far more as, as needing to understand what's my place in this? What's my role in this? What's my job in this? And what is to flow through me in this? 
that God's giving me to hear. Folks, think of the connection that happens right there. Think of the love that starts to work right there. Think of the shining that starts to happen right there. It's it's hard, though, right? It's, It's hard to say life is not about you. I find I'm far, far better, this is me with, a, with an admissions parent, I'm far better telling that to my kids than I am telling that to myself. And I need to tell it to myself. I need to get, I'm part of a bigger picture. A beautiful part. Well, I'm not beautiful, but a part, and a part that's there to allow something to flow through Because God has loaned me certain gifts that are mine to give. God has loaned you certain gifts that are yours to give. And how do you allow that flow to happen? I think that's what Jesus is pointing at here, that that bigger sense of connectedness when he has this line, and this goes back to all the cynics who are very much against him. He said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So he's not putting slavery in the context of the Romans. He's putting slavery in terms of our own compulsions. New Church talks a lot about how our, our compulsions really are what enslaves us. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family. Maybe you say the F word there, but a son or daughter belongs to it forever. That's beautiful. Think about what he's doing with chosenness here, folks. He's putting it in the context of family. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. And again, for an occupied people to hear that, that's pretty remarkable. And the son setting you free is... is That's Jesus talking, and he's not talking here about a blood atonement or stuff like that. He's talking about like this, this this lived truth that was his life. Like, live this way, and you will find freedom. And and we believe in the new church that Jesus is the closest representation in flesh and blood. Like that is that's God walking among us, and that's that's God saying, like, live this way. And you will find freedom. You'll find rest for your souls. You won't see life as as just being all about you. You'll see life as you have a place in it. And how do you allow those gifts to to just be, be expressed and for God's love to run through those gifts out there to serve other people? Very different view of chosenness. Now, you ready to find out what this is? All right. So over to here. Lots of people said it's a tree. It is a tree. This is an old, old tradition going back to colonial times, actually. It's known as a fire mark. Did anybody say that? Anybody have that as what it was? Okay. The way the fire mark worked, it goes back to this old English tradition. In England, the fire companies were actually owned by insurance companies. So if your house caught on fire, and this is the day of fireplaces and candles... Did that happen often that a house caught on fire? Yes, all the time. So they would fight the fire, but only if you had this on your house. Fire mark. It's sort of like the soup Nazi. You remember the soup Nazi from Seinfeld? You know, no fire mark for you. 
Now, this came over to the colonies, came over to the United States, and fire insurance companies would, would give these. And now, now that I've told you this, you're going to see them all over the place, just so you know. And, and you know, but they, all that meant was it was insured, because America, we had this thing called the Volunteer Fire Company, and they were not about to pick which house they were going to fight the fire. It just said your house had fire insurance. I guess the salesman didn't need to knock at the door then. How does this tie in with the service? I think, and this is just, this is just kind of to, to add a smile to it and some lightness to it. I think that British version, that's kind of the chosen view. Like you have the chosen house. If you have the, the right tribe or the right religion or the right faith or if you said the right thing, your house will never burn. You know, we've got a guarantee. But I think God's asking us to do this. Please listen carefully. God wants us to experience that chosenness so that we can pass it on and to remind everyone else, to remind each other, you are chosen too. You're chosen too. It's not just some special mark that I have, no one else does. It's, it's the idea of a mark that, that we all share. All share. Humanity shares. New church, mercy. Mercy does not, God does not pinpoint it to a, like a strategic airstrike to a certain group of people. God sends his reign on the just and the unjust. Doesn't matter. What if your job was to remind someone today that they're chosen too? And that's what he's saying here. What if your job today was to remind someone that they're chosen too? I think that's the power of a truth that can start to set us all free, can start to set us free and start to, start to change our lives, it can help us do this, can help us go towards meaning. It's interesting, folks, this next slide here, right, this goes back to this chart, like happiness, suffering, unhappiness, meaning, suffering, responsibility. I want to share with you what a friend shared with me on a whiteboard. We'd thrown this up on a whiteboard and we were chatting about it. This is a wonderful friend who's gone through some real struggles. And I'm going to be running back and forth. So this is for the booth. You may just want a wide camera angle on this because I'm going to sprint. Uh, you know, what he said is, is he said, yeah, you know, I, I kind of started over here in, in my life. And he drew a little person with a hat. And he said, yes, you know what, what, I, what I did was I saw life and I, and I jumped into happiness and then suffering came along. And then as soon as suffering came along, that meant I was unhappy. So that meant I needed to sprint over here. And I, I realized like I'm just stuck. I'm just stuck right here in this unhappy, unhappy place. This, this is not good. Folks, it's why unhappiness might not be a problem. Please listen to that. It's why unhappiness might not be a problem. It may be the sign you're ready to grow. It may be a sign you're ready to grow. And again, I don't wanna, I don't wanna like say that there aren't legitimate reasons to just be unhappy, because there are. People go through loss all the time. 
and it's heartbreaking. And here's this unhappiness place. And this is where he's far brighter than I am because I see these things as two separate things. And he said, take a guess here. He said, what I had to learn was to jump from unhappiness to meaning. So he hops over to here. And he said, yep, my life, I needed to, to hop over. I got so unhappy. I needed to look at it differently. I needed to see what's the meaning in all this struggle that I'm having. So somebody who lost a loved one very close to them. And then what's the responsibility as I go through that suffering? What can I do here to take care of my family? What's the responsibility? Now, it's nice to think that it all ends there, but then he jumped over to another place. And listen to this. I loved this. He said, I went through that. Zoop, 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 zoop. Came out the other end getting a sense of responsibility. And what I found, please listen carefully, my friends, was joy. What I found was joy. Wow. That's great stuff. It's, it's where we can start to see our lives not just being about us, but our understanding our place in lives, understanding what can flow through us, understanding the gifts we can bring, understanding our ability to feel chosen, which is beautiful, and understand that the reason God allows us to feel chosen is so we can remind other people they are chosen too. They're also chosen. All of them. Very different perspective on life. Those are parts of a truth that will make you free. And what they do is, is they help us in our, in our life, like this next slide here, they help us in our life to wear a brand new hat, a second hat. I think our, our lives so much of the time, and I heard one author talking about this, you know, our lives are so much consumed by resume virtues, you know, my hat as a, as a professional, my hat as a this, my hat as a that. And instead we're being asked, I think, to try on new hats. Hats far more about meaning, far more about purpose, far more about hitting those sufferings of life and putting on a hat that doesn't say this suffering makes me unhappy, but putting on a hat that says, I'm being called to something here. Imagine this. Imagine a congregation, and I think you folks have this in spades. Imagine a congregation courageous enough to try on second hats. And imagine a congregation courageous enough to support each other as we try them on, because I please get a little amen. amen. You know, imagine that. Imagine that. Like, there's something that's good. There's something that will help us all find our place in the order of things and help us to find our gifts, because, because even if we can't see them, if we're constantly getting, yes, I'm chosen and you are chosen too, we will see the gift in the other and we'll help it to come to life, help that second hat 
to just be part of how we live life. So, dear friends, next slide. Please make sure you speak. You speak, that you use those words and that language that, that, that helps to do that, that, that pushes forward these ideas, that, that, that is, a, this is a speaking that gives life, that is a speaking of chosenness, that is, is a speaking to these bigger things, these truer things. It's a speaking to meaning. In a world of suffering that calls us to the beauty and hope of responsibility. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen. We're now going to close today's service by offering a prayer. You'll have a chance to do your own prayer, to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it. And then we're going to end with a raucous number, old gospel number. You're welcome to stand up, sing, or sit down and enjoy. Either one is fine. So please join me in a prayer. So Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Lord, and continue to stir in our hearts the words, the words that continue to help us to move towards meaning and purpose and responsibility. Help us to remember we're just to do today a little bit better than yesterday. We're not talking about life totally redone. We're talking about just a handful of things that we can redo today. For some, Lord, that will be calling someone this afternoon, reminding them that they are chosen too. For some, it might be looking at a particular life lie that they're functioning other and just offering it to you and saying, Lord, help me to see what's true here. For others, it may be a sense of meaning. For others, it may be a sense of responsibility. For others, it may be understanding that if they're unhappy, there's nothing wrong there. It just means growth. And Lord, for all of us, wrap your arms around us in the spirit of hope, in the spirit of love, in the spirit of this, as you end the Gospel of Matthew with, that I, I am with you, even to the end of the age. Be with this congregation, Lord, this week. Bless their ways. In your name we pray today. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 